0: Welcome to the Thank Generation Wealth Podcast, episode number 53, and I am your host, Amir Estimo. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast, as we have now hit 53 episodes of this podcast. And let me tell you, when I first started this podcast, I didn't think, um, honestly, when I started this, it was just for me just to be able to share information, but to see now 53 episodes later... We're still growing little by little, and it's okay. You know, whatever path you take in life, you don't have to take your path. Don't have to be the same as everyone else's. I know for me, sometimes uh, I find myself realizing when you know maybe someone has more downloads than I do, then I start to realize that's not that's not the importance of that. That's not the important thing here. So for me, I am appreciative of having you listening to this podcast, and hopefully this podcast be of some value to you. Okay. So today's title of the episode, I've been, last episode I recorded episode 52, we're talking about as far as millennials being being behind when it comes to the generational gap and how millennials, the boomers and the gen... Xers have more percentage of wealth in the population than millennials. So today's episode, I will be talking about ways to build generational wealth. First, I will define generational wealth. Then I will give you some things you can do, action steps you can do to build generational wealth. Okay take a moment. Can you please rate and review the podcast? Share the podcast if you find it valuable. I would love to hear your input. I would love to hear your feedback, whether it's good or bad. It's okay. It's only going to make me better. Also, if you would like to hear me talk about anything on a podcast relating to wealth, let me know. You can email me at amir.estimo at thankgenwealth.com. And I would love to hear what you have to say, what you would like to hear on a podcast. Because I know the, when it comes to podcasts or anything you do, content is usually a struggle. But the fact that uh, I have an opportunity to have people even download, listen to my podcast, I am so appreciative of that. So if you'd like to hear anything on a podcast with Wealth, Please, or just something in general, as long as it's basically what we talk about in the podcast or what you like to hear, let me know. But please, again, rate and review the podcast where we get your podcast. If you get it on Apple, there's a purple app that says podcast on there. Go in there, rate and review the podcast. All right. All right. Let's get the show on the road. So today's episode is how do you build generational wealth? I may have already touched upon this, but I always think this is a good reminder uh, when it comes to building generational wealth. And if you're new to this podcast, you probably may need to go. I don't know what episodes it is, but probably just look at previous episodes when it comes to generational wealth. So by definition, generational wealth represents assets passed down from one generation to the next. For example, if you, leave, if you can leave behind a notable inheritance to your descendants that con- consti- I can't say constitutes, constitutes generational wealth constitutes generational wealth. Sorry, These assets can include real estate, stock market investments, a business, or anything else which contains monetary value. People who inherit generational wealth have significant financial advantage over those who do not. They likely have the ability to avoid student loans as well as other types of costly debt. Instead, their inheritance could go towards income generating investments, assets which appreciate in value or even towards purchasing their first home. However, it's not easy to maintain generational wealth across several generations. In fact, research shows approximately 70% of families lose their capital in the second generational generation, while 90% lose it on a third. Hmm. Not great odds for building sustainable wealth over generations. These are strategies to build generational wealth, as well as ensure it lasts. So, as you can see, there is that joke that the first generation builds it, the second generation blows it, and the third just completely bombs it. So as you can see, from the second generation, 70% of families lose their capital. And into the third, it's 90%, which is a very high percentage when you think about it. Because what happens? Sometimes, whatever the case is, are they being are they being are they being financially literate right so if you don't teach generations about financial literacy you're going to run into these issues where they're just not going to understand how to build generational wealth if they don't have one the education Two, the experience and three, the maturity, because if you can teach education, you can also have the experience, but if you're not mature enough to be able to understand and deal with what it is to build generational wealth, it's not going to be easy. And you're going to have this gap of where 70% the second generation, 90% the third generation. Okay. So you want to take the time to be able to educate and also, too, I think there is a, a value when you teach, they apply, but they also understand that it's just not given to them. And I know that's something that I've instilled in my kids is that I'm not going to give you whatever you want. I want you To work hard, obviously, I don't want you to go through maybe the things that I went through growing up and not that I had a tough upbringing, but it was just a lot of information that I did not know that I had to learn when I got in the real world. But if you just have a tendency of just giving the generations behind whatever they want, they will not understand how to value it. So that's why it's imperative to be able to teach them and for them to have a level of maturity and education so they're not doing things that's going to put the family generation behind. Could you imagine if Sam Walton, he didn't teach his kid? Like, there's two stories. So you got Sam Walton, teaches kids. They build generational wealth, That wealth is still continuing. Now, you have Aaron Spelling. I don't remember. No remember the show Merrill's Place, he had his daughter Tori Spelling and she was not responsible. So what happened? Aaron Aaron Spelling at the time was worth $600 million when he passed away. And guess what he did? He did not include her in her will because of her tendency of not, he did not want his hard work just to be going up in flames because his daughter was not responsible. And that's what happens when your kids are not responsible. They don't understand the value, so they don't know how to appreciate it. And that's one of the most to me is it's a story. People like, well, how can he do that? That's his daughter and yada, yada, yada. But when you really think about it is if she was not if she's not, she's not responsible, why should he go that route and just let her have wealth and knowing that she's not responsible? So I I have to agree with that. I mean, even if I had my kid, if my kid was like that too, I'm sorry, but yeah, you would not be getting the things that I've worked hard for. And for me is that's what time that's sometimes you, you see that, And you can say, well, he's wrong and this and that. But quite honestly, I don't think it is. I think he's he was right in how he handled it because she was not responsible. So now let's talk about how do you build generational wealth? okay? so how do you do do that? So it mentioned this article. This is a marketplace, by the way, and this article is 2020. And it says assets that you can use real estate, stock market investments, business, or anything else which contains monetary value. So let's talk about real estate. So real estate, is it owning multifamily apartments? Is it owning anything that's multifamily or self-storage, land? Right now, I'm currently looking into, right now, I'm investing in land. Really, reason is I think that's a, a niche that not a lot of people are thinking about. Think about it in this way is if you own any type of land par- property, what could it do for your family, right? So let's say, for instance, you own a land and some big company wants to come and build on that land. Do you know that you can actually they can build on your land that you own? And then you you get a you get a um, you get a some type of fee, some type of residual income or residual that you will get year to year on this just like the government what does the government do here in the states what does the government do the government we buy property we buy a home but we also have to pay for the land that the home occupies even if you pay that home that home off what do you still have to pay taxes land taxes could you imagine that happening to you what could it do for your family and what could it do for generations and generations could you imagine that but not a lot of people think about that yeah we can go own home you can go own rental properties you can go own multifamily but i don't think it's nothing like owning land because once you own land it does not matter what else happens you can own that land and whoever comes and build they can either buy it from you or you can actually own the land let them build on that property and you get some residual income from the land just by them paying taxes on the land okay so that's the key thing there so keep that in mind owning real estate is a great way to build wealth stock market investments now we know the stock market is up and down and now you're also talking about bitcoin but even that within itself that has been issue that's the government's trying to find ways to crack down on bitcoin because it's not a it's not a control there's nobody controlling that market because it's peer-to-peer transactions whereas if you you know you do your everyday bank transactions or let's say uh, you want to make a transfer. If I want to make a transfer to someone else and it's says bank, the bank has to verify it. The other bank has to verify to make sure the funds are there and then transaction happens. Whereas in Bitcoin, you don't need that. It's peer to peer. And Bitcoin is another cryptocurrency is another form of investment stock market. I mean, who? what do you what do you consume the most of that? If you were to actually put that into investing okay let's say you're a big fan of netflix you like to binge watch and binge not watch netflix right but what if you were to instead of binge yeah you can subscribe to netflix binge watch but what if you own shares of netflix could you imagine when blockbuster had not take netflix seriously Let's say at the time you had bought shares of Netflix, you know, $10 at the time per share. I don't know what it is by now, but I'm pretty sure it's high. Last time I remember, it was up in like $400 a share just for Netflix. And Netflix skyrocketed even more ever since the pandemic. So could you imagine if you had, were an early investor in Netflix, where would you be now? See, we don't think about these things because we're always in a mindset of consuming. But if we were to take a minute and stop wanting to consume and say, "Okay, if I own if I like this thing here, whether it's Netflix, what is what if it's Apple? What if your big Apple phone? You like all the latest technology. Why not buy some stocks in Apple? You can take that and pass that down. Put that into a trust. Pass it down to the next generation, right? Okay. So that's another idea. Business. What business would you like to start? Now, I know probably someone who's listening to this podcast is saying, well, I'm not a business person. Well, if you have a nine to five job, you can't leave that job for your children. Right. But you can leave a business For, so what could you do in the meantime to help your kids? What could you do? What do you enjoy doing? I think what we do is we overcomplicate the issue of business. And if we were to say, okay, what am I passionate about? What do I enjoy doing? What if what do I enjoy doing that if I didn't, if I didn't work. I did this for free. Would I enjoy doing it? That's how you have to think about when you're building a business. And there's all type right now with the way the pandemic is. I think people you have to now have another sort of of income to be able to survive because one income is not enough. One income is not enough. And I can tell you from experience, if one if you have one income, you're closer to zero. It means if you lose that income, what happens So you have to find ways to be able to not only make yourself more valuable, what skill sets that you have that you can make yourself more valuable to the marketplace? Owning a business, you get there's so more so much perks to that. People have built businesses and achieved financial freedom, not financial independence, financial freedom because they have the fact they, they own these businesses what could you do now could everybody be a business owner i agree not all of us can be right not if that was the case then no one would be working for anyone but you could be that percent of the population that do own a business we're in, you could be in a service business there's things you can do in network marketing i know people look at look down at network marketing But network marketing has created so many millionaires. So if you were to take the time, right, and just find something that you're passionate about and do it, I think you can. So building a business is only going to help that. Okay. now we have building a business or anything else which contains monetary value. What's value? Uh, We're talking about. Let's say you have a car that's an old classic that may be worth money, right? You can, you can, um, you can put that into your will. You can pass that down from generations to generations, right? So that's, a, that's a, a, another thing here. So anything that's monetary value, whether it's a car or painting, maybe diamonds or gold or whatever that is, that's monetary value. So you talk about people who has when it talks about wealth and people whose build has generational wealth, how much of a financial advantage it's a big difference. Because when you have the capacity and the capital to be able to do things, imagine if your your kids went to college and even if they had to go study some of the most expensive careers, medical lawyer they can actually leave college and don't have any debt that sets them apart than probably 60 to 70 percent of the population that's not okay so when you think of that you can they can take that money if they are educated a great example is master p master p has been a great example to his um how he's dealt with his kids. Master P has taught his kids that you don't have to. I'm not, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to give you the tools, but you're going to have to go on there and understand how this works. I can't give you every all the answers because some of the answers you have to figure out. But if you ever get a chance to follow Master P or see any of his interviews, his son, Romeo, was able to go to college and then land a um, land a because now in college you can actually profit off your name. His son is able to profit off his name. Romeo, he signed like a four million dollar contract deal. I mean, you you just have to. It's a big it's a and I, sometimes it's so easy. It is really easy for us to hate on the the, the rich. Right. But we can't why would let me think about it if your last name my last name is estimo i want that name to mean something when i hustle i don't hustle for my first name i hustle for my last name that last name estimo i want to be able to go through not just my generation my dad's generation but or even my grandfather's generation it goes from my generation My daughter's generation, even the ones behind me. You hustle for your last name, not your first. And remember this: remember this is, what whatever you do, it's for the future. Whatever you do is to even if you're not in that position, but you have a chance to change the family tree. Okay, so. If I, my parents probably was not, I would have graduated college with no debt, but it didn't happen that way. Okay. Now we talked about stocks. We talked about real estate. We talked about now saving money. Are we doing that? Are we teaching our kids how to save? It's not that easy. I know it's not. It's not that easy to teach kids. Saving money especially is we, we'd say, okay, saving money is it's something that you just have to be willing to do. You got to be, be able to do because think about it. less than, I think there was a stat I seen, less than 50% of the U.S. have less than $1,000 in their emergency savings account. We're talking about not your, I'm talking about just a thousand dollars. Could you imagine not even having a thousand dollars in your account? One thousand dollars. You don't even have that. And you have mouths to feed and you have kids to feed and you have this, you know, that just puts so much stress. And if you look at it now, credit card debt is up in the U.S. and people are not saving money. If it's one thing this pandemic has taught is that we as a nation are in serious trouble financially because we were so ecstatic when the government gave us that stimulus check, three of them, we were so ecstatic. But could we really depend on the government? Couldn't we? Can we depend on the U.S. government to take care of? If you're a millennial, my age range right now, are you depending on the government to take care of you when you're old and you don't have the earning power like you used to? If you don't have those money set aside, where are you going to be? And if you're not educating and teaching your kids and you're relying the school system or the government or even college to teach your kids financial literacy you are in trouble you are in trouble so if you're not saving money we're struggling with saving money in the country as it is but how do you, there's so many ways to do it i mean there's apps you can use mint Mint's a great app you can use because it connects to all your bank accounts. And it shows you data, shows you your spending habits. It shows you what you are doing wrong. What are you doing right too? Are you spending too much eating out? What would it be instead of eating out, maybe cook more? I know me and my family, we made that decision. We struggled with that at first. We struggled with that. Because we were like, uh, we were, I'll, I'll admit, we were into eating out a lot. Um, but after a while, we just had to say, you know what, we gotta do, we, we can't live this way, we really can't. And we had to make it a priority to say, okay, you know what, instead of eating out, let's save this money. We had to put ourselves in that position. So, again, what are you doing? Differently Okay, what are you doing differently? Are you saving money? Are you teaching your kids how to save money? Okay, so those are things we have to think about But sometimes we don't right so that's something that I think that's important saving money Okay, now it talks about getting your affairs in order or is do you have a will if something were to happen to you, you pass away, is there a will in place? How's your affairs are going to be handled? How many celebrities didn't do that, didn't have a will, so now their affairs is all chaos? But we don't think about that. And life insurance, do you have that? Do you have a trust, an estate plan? Do you have custodial accounts? Who are you naming as beneficiaries to your financial accounts? And something happens. See, these are things we don't think about. There's so there's so much of these. It's not that it's it's a lot of information. It's not that it's a lot of information. It's just the fact that are we doing it? And if you're not doing it, you need to think about putting yourself in position. Because could you imagine if you were If you were to pass away in your family, you leave your family in debt. How how can your kids move on from that? It'd be tough. So, again, having your affairs in order that means having a will up to date, buying life insurance, creating an estate plan, setting up custodial accounts, naming your beneficiaries. These actions can ensure a smooth transition of wealth and will minimize headaches for everyone later. Can you imagine this? You pass away and now your fares are all in probate, all in the government, all in your business. You don't want that. But if you already have these things in place, you should be fine, right? Right. So it says that about half of all inherited money is spent or lost investing poorly with the other half save. It says here, 78% looking 78% feel the next generation is not financially responsible enough to handle inheritance. In other words, giving money to people isn't enough. You need to ensure they have what that keyword is, financial literacy. There it is right there, folks. Now, if you want to, you can take a look. You can read the rest of the article. It's on MarketWatch. It's the name of the article is called, let me get the name, What is Generational Wealth and How Do You Build It? It's from July 16, 2020, and I thought this was an interesting article. That's why I wanted to talk about it, but... Again, this is what we need to do. Millennials, I'm talking to you also. We need to do better. And right now, we are behind our Gen Xers and and also the Baby Boomers. So, and the Baby Boomers also are not, they're not, you're going to have situations like Aaron Spelling did with Tori Spelling. If you don't think about how can we like these things having your affairs or orders are very important. If you would like more information, you can reach me. You can reach me at amir.estimo at thinkgenwealth.com. I would love to do a consultation for you to help you look at your finances. Listen, I'm not I'm not any better, folks. I know I I still have my struggles too, but I am putting myself in position to where my kids won't have to take massive loans out to get an education that's probably only going to pay them sixty dollars to $80,000 a year. The numbers and the optics there doesn't add up. It's our responsibility to teach our kids this, not the school system, not the government. That's our responsibility. And... Wealth will never continue to be passed down or passed down if we are not educating, in that keyword, again, financial literacy. Okay? Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. I hope this podcast was of value to you, and I appreciate you taking the time to listen to this podcast. And Until next time, much love to you all, and keep on, keep on, keep on generational wealth.